0: Good morning, I hope everybody's doing good today, happy All Saints Day, how do you like my mug, pretty nice, you can't see it, yeah, yeah, you too can have a uh, Church of Our Savior, I Love My Church mug, for five dollars. Starting next week, next Sunday. starting next Sunday, you can't have them until then, they're not, they've are not. they not been released to the public yet, <laughs> but you can have them, uh, Start for $5, you can take them to all, your, they make wonderful Christmas presents, they, they w- make wonderful Christmas ornaments, you can hang them <laughs> right on the tree, they're great, stocking they're great stocking stuffers, the Lord be with you, let us pray. Uh, Father in heaven, uh, you are so good to give us uh, your word. It is a feast for us, Lord God. Uh, We know that we will not live on bread alone, that we thank you for the bread that we just had, but we will live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and so we thank you God that from your mouth you have given to us uh, this scripture. We pray, God, that we would feast upon it today, that we would savor it and relish it and be filled and nourished by it and equipped to do your good work in this world. Um, we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in chapter 22 of Matthew, continuing to just blaze our way through Matthew, and um, and uh, so we're going to finish up, uh, if, we, if we do it right, we'll finish up chapter 22 uh, of, of Matthew. We are, of course, in the last week of Jesus' life, uh, and remember, 30%, 30% of, of the gospel material, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 30% is, uh, is taken up with the last week of Jesus' life. It is so uh, paramount, so important uh, in the minds of the gospel writers, not just... Um, more coming in here on the line. Uh, not, not just uh, because the, the most happened, because uh, certainly you know, he lived lots of other weeks, but because this week is the climax and the crux, of course culminating in the cross, uh, of our salvation and why we worship Christ, why we worship God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. So the last week is incredibly important. Where we get snippets through his life and uh, conversations that may be even months apart, it's all all this last week we get almost a play by play. Last week we got the third of three parables. Uh, it was a parable of the wedding banquet. we had a great discussion. I thought about uh, those who did not come to the uh, to the wedding banquet who had accepted the invitation but chose not to come and uh, about the man who did come but didn't have his wedding garment on and got kicked out uh, of the wedding banquet, and that's uh, of course. I mean, this is a parable of, of judgment, and we're in a parables of judgment because it's the last week. Your cross is is, is looming. Um, we followed two of the other two parables, parables which we covered a couple of weeks ago. The parable of the two sons. Remember, one son says he's going to go into the vineyard but doesn't. The other son says he's not going to go but does. And the parable of the vineyard owner, where he leases it out to tenants who, who do um, a terrible job, and um, these are all three parables of judgment, primarily criticizing the res- the religious establishment. and And I think what particularly, as I read it, he's criticizing the self righteous. And I don't mean the sort of uh, stuck up people. Uh, um, that they, they may go hand in hand, but um, but but the the act of trusting one's own self and one's own righteousness and one's own, one's own goodness as satisfying to God, rather than relying on God's goodness to satisfy us, and um, and that has implications for how we live our lives. But it is particularly the motivation. So we have now we come into a, a series of interactions between Jesus and the religious establishment that he's been criticized. Last week we began that with uh, the. Render unto Caesar, remember whose impression, whose likeness and inscription is this. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and render unto God uh, the things that are God's. Now we have interactions today with two different religious parties, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now we tend to know more about the Pharisees, Jesus has more interaction with the Pharisees. Uh, They love the law, they love the law. What do you know about the Sadducees? They were sad, you see. They sad, you see. <laughs> Dorsey, go to your room. They didn't, in life. they didn't believe in eternal life. That's true. It's a true statement. What else do we know about? That was actually a function. They didn't really believe in any of... Uh, supernatural intervention of God, inter- interaction. They, they'd certainly believe in God, and they did believe in the law of Moses, but they were essentially moral humanists, that we were put on this earth to, to do well, right? To be, be good. There's, there's a lot of Sadducee left in the world today, uh, and Sadducee, but uh, that's, that's a different sermon. So um, uh, they they were essentially... In one sense, you might think of them as the religious liberals of the day. The Pharisees, very conservative, very you know, traditional in their uh, mindset. We're not going out of line. The, the Sadducees were, were willing to interpret the law of Moses through the lens of, of their current day. And, and, um, and they were just, uh, but, but Alicia's right. They did not believe in, in the supernatural, and therefore they didn't believe in resurrection. Uh, and, and what they would have meant by that is that they didn't believe there was a, a general resurrection on the last day. If time was linear and there was an end to everything, they didn't believe that God was going to recreate it and raise everybody back up, which was a, a belief in uh, in that time of the Pharisees. So when Jesus says He will be resurrected, they didn't have a category for a singular resurrection, which might be why the the disciples never got it. He said three times, "I'm going to go, I'm going to get killed, and when on the third day I'm going to rise again." They were like, "That I mean, that we don't have a category for that." There's not a singular resurrection. There's a general resurrection. So, after render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, render unto God the things that are God's, the same day the Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. Did you read ahead? Is that, is that what? Okay. <laughs> who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, uh, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, uh, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and uh, having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. And so to the second and the third, down to the seventh, and after them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. All right, let's stop right there. <laughs> what? What is actually going on here? What in the actual heck is going on here? What are the Pharisees really concerned? What? What are they concerned about? What are, where do they, they? get this from? I think the Pharisees might be concerned that they're not the story. The Pharisees are like, hey, what about us? What about it? We're in every story. Yeah, no, no. Said that said oh, I said Pharisees. Oh. Sorry, what are the Sadducees... Thank you, Josh, you Pharisee, you. Uh, what what are the Sadducees concerned about? Hmm? They're trying to put Christ in a conundrum. That's right. So... Um, they They're probably not really interested in the technicality of the law. Let me go back and read. I'll set my uh, beautiful mug down and um uh, which will be on sale for five dollars next week. and I will um and I'm gonna read to you from deuteronomy Deuteronomy, no that that's so a. we're not selling them in the church deuteronomy twenty five. Uh, beginning with verse 5, if brothers dwell together, so I don't know if they live separately, if that's if that's uh, part of it, but if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside of the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of his dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. And then there's all sorts of legalities about um, what to do if the, if the brother doesn't want to do that. Then what do you do with the wife and the, brother's, the dead brother's name? Uh, times have changed a little bit uh, since then. But what, what can you imagine was trying to be preserved by that law? Why would Moses, why would God through Moses, have a law that says a wife is sort of inherited, my gosh, um, to the next oldest brother. What is trying to be preserved in that? The, life. the, life. the name. Because in that culture, that you were not just an individual, you were part of a family, a tribe. And you're... you're Uh, ability to carry that on had uh, was important to the tribe's survival right and so uh, so there was a that was seen as God's favor and blessing to that line and you were just a part of it and so it wasn't it wasn't um, I mean it it probably you know we can look back and say we're glad that women's rights have have come a little ways you know since then Uh, but but the, I, the idea was to try to preserve the, the name, because death, uh, in that death to a line was not just death to a person, but, but it was judgment upon a, family, you know, a whole family. So, um, so they were preserving the line. The family unit was everything in that culture, and to lose a line was a type of judgment. Now, the Sadducees are not probably really interested in the technicality of the law. We've always wondered what would happen if this happened to seven brothers. They're not really worried. They're trying to show that there's no resurrection. Okay. Um, it's they're trying to show this is sort of fanciful idea, and it doesn't really solve the issues it promises to solve. Uh, and therefore, um, and, and also the Pharisees, of course, did believe in the supernatural activity of God, and they uh, therefore did believe in a general resurrection at the end of time. So, um, so it says. That's why. That's why. The Sadducees say, therefore, in the resurrection. So, in the general resurrection. There's Hypothetically, if there was such a thing, Jesus, how would you account for this? In other words, the law is superior, and the resurrection doesn't account for it. I would think probably because of Jesus' reputation as a miracle worker, that he, in fact, works in the divine and the supernatural, the Sadducees would have viewed him as much closer to the Pharisees, Uh, than the Sadducees, and probably, probably Jesus would have viewed himself that way, Uh, although if he was to say, but he's neither. He's not like halfway between one or the other. He's on a different spectrum, okay? But from the Sadducees' point, the resurrection kind of messes up Moses' law, and that's what they put their faith in as, as moralists. The point was to preserve the family line because death was death. There, was, there wasn't anything after death. So to perpetuate the name precisely, uh, because death was the end. Jesus answered them, you're wrong because you need know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living and when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Pretty, pretty bold for this homeschool rabbi. Like, he didn't go to rabbi school, right? So he's, um, to tell the Sadducees, they, had, they don't know the scriptures, and they don't know the power of God. Think about how much information is in your world Too, somebody said too much. So, how much information is in your pocket? Too much. Too much. <laughs> um, you. So, on my phone, I have probably, I don't know, 500 contacts, people I can call. I've got endless supplies of uh, access to to websites and and blogs and, uh, social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter. I don't have Instagram, uh, next door neighbor. I I don't use that because wow. Um, the, um, but I have Hulu on, on here and that's got just hundreds of shows that I could just, I could spend hours and hours and hours watching some fiction, nonfiction, documentaries, movies, um, there are, uh, uh, of course, articles by the billions, and the comments section is like a genre unto itself, isn't it? Do you participate in the comments section? Don't answer that question, because <laughs> we'll have confession at church. Um, also, I've got podcasts. Do you, who listens to podcasts? What are your, what are your favorite podcasts? You just, just give me one your one favorite podcast. What's your favorite podcast? I'm not making a point. I'm just curious. I'm, I'm. I just listen to podcasts when they're sent to me. Oh, people send you podcasts. I don't listen to one. Okay. Are you not so not many podcasts. What's your favorite podcast? Uh, Bible project. Bible project. You're such a good boy. Uh. <laughs> Bible project. So that was, what about you, Elaine? Fresh air. Terrence Fresh air. air. Y'all should have lunch. Um. The um. <laughs> uh. So I mean, then you go to, like get a bunch. Just the inform the amount of information that is out there is think of the number of ads that most of you saw the number of commercial ads whether it was radio television newspapers billboards that you saw when you were a kid compared to the number of uh, advertisements that you see today I mean, it's on the gas station pumps, it's on, I mean, there's not, a, there's, not a, there's not any real estate left that doesn't have some sort of advertisement on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and all this information just becomes overwhelming, doesn't it? Just, over, just incredibly overwhelming. And so what happens is this information becomes white noise. And whether you realize it or not, you're probably very adept at tuning out what you don't want to hear and only tuning in what you do want to hear. You might be really interested in the news, but you might just be interested in one sort of one slant on the news, or you might, uh, you tune out the rest because it's white noise, or you're not listening to all the podcasts that don't interest you. You're not listening, and when you hear things uh, on the radio, or you're uh, thinking about the Uh, football game or whatever it is you're not thinking about other stuff and it's just everything else is just white noise Uh, there is so much information out there and everybody's talking but nobody's listening my job is to talk to give you information and I think that that information is the most life-giving life-saving information like world-changing information not because I say it but because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ But let me ask you this, what distinguishes the gospel of Jesus Christ from the other white noise in your life? What elevates it from from just more self-help, more static, more white noise? It's the Word of God, yes? Yes? there's a lot of words out there. Some people don't think it's the Word of God, so... And some people think it's one of many words of God. Unchanging. It's unchanging, okay. Yes? Yeah, I think you could... Obviously, you're thinking, you know, well, it's true. Well, we'll know that a lot of things you can hear are true. It, it can change your life. We'll know a lot of things you can change your life. But I think it's the only thing that is eternally, like, fundamentally true outside of any context and can change your life in a permanent you know, situations so that just for... A few months or a year or something. So it's it's eternally true outside of any other context. I love that. What validates and verifies its truth? It is. The resurrection. (laughs) (laughs) Resurrection. The Sadducees don't know it, but they are onto a really important issue. The resurrection is the hinge of all of Christianity. And nothing else offers a God who rose from the dead. And it is only that that validates the rest of the work of Jesus. And so if there is no resurrection, then let's just go go be good people, moral humanists, and and work on our short game. And that was a good breakfast, but I mean, there's there's better reasons to, there's other things to do, right? So, So let's, uh, if it, unless there's resurrection, unless Jesus actually stepped out of the tomb, it, it, everything else means nothing without the resurrection. Jesus came, came to give us eternal life, but it is an empty promise without resurrection. If you are in Christ and you are a new creation and the old is gone and the new has come, that is only true if there's a resurrection. If Jesus came that we might have life, and have it to the full. That's only true if there's resurrection. Whoever believe, if whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that's only true if there is resurrection. If Jesus meant what he said when he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, I will be with you always and to the end of the age, it's resurrection that makes that possible. And Jesus shows them that they underestimate the power of God. He says, you don't know the power of God. Anybody else here think they might be underestimating the power of God? (laughs) Yes. We all do that. Because we imagine, like they, imagine that God is really not much more powerful than we are. Now, I'm not saying you don't pray for mighty things. But a lot of times, the way we, and let me just say I, live my life, is that I, and it kind of depends on me. But a resurrection says that he's got the whole world in his hands. They don't understand the scripture uh, if they don't understand that, uh, that God is a God who brings uh, the dead to life. Like that's the whole deal. You were dead in your trespasses, you are made alive in, uh, in Christ Jesus. Resurrection is the whole thing. And he says in heaven our relationships are going to be different. Right? I mean, we will be with our loved ones, but we won't be married to them. I may not even be the father of my children in heaven. We're just all brothers and sisters in Christ. Our union is with Christ. Right? What is the point of marriage? It is to reflect Christ's union with the church. That is, it is a parable. Scriptures say. And so when Christ is with His church, when we are with Christ, He is our spouse. I don't mean that to be in a sexual way, but that our union is with Him. So He says, that's why He says, I think we're not neither marrying or given in marriage in the resurrection. Uh, our, our, um, our relationships are fundamentally different. And the resurrection changes everything. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear that the resurrection is the hinge of Christianity. There's nothing we do here matters. I mean, we're you know, we're feeding people and we're helping people and we're friends and those are good things. But it it you can do that anywhere. Doing it in the name of the church only matters if there's a resurrection. So and for me, the the veracity, the truth of the scriptures themselves hinge on the resurrection because they say that Jesus is resurrected, And if he wasn't, then what else, what, how do I know what else to trust? So the resurrection is, is the hinge. So he kind of shows up the Pharisees, right? I mean, he, he uses their own words. You say he's the God of, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You quote the scriptures, Sadducees. He is, not he was, he is. He's the God of the living, and they're like minds are spinning. And the Pharisees, who are kind of the opponents of the Sadducees, are like they're thrilled. Right? You know, they are they they're, they show he showed up their opponents, but they kind of want uh, They want in on the action. Jesus, if Jesus showed up, the Pharisees we're going to show up Jesus, and we're going to come out all the way on top. Not so fast. Somebody read the Great Commandment for me, uh, thirty-four to forty. But so when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, he gathered together, or well, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to the him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On well, these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right. So we read this in the right one service. This is called the summary of what? Summary of the law. I can remember when I was a young priest, and there was some controversy or something in the, uh, and I don't remember where it was, but it was actually a Presbyterian minister who wrote in, um, and. And said, I and mean, it's like a big deal, Presbyterian minister. And wrote into the local newspaper and said that he had done a bunch of research and maybe it was with a team or whatever. And what we com- concluded is, the su- is that what God calls us to is summarized in love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, he said, this is the summary of the gospel and what we should, uh, what we should live. And I was too green to, to have the courage to write in. But that guy should have known better. He, he's a Presbyterian. He's, like, he's reformed. He should have known. That was not the summary of the gospel. That was the summary of the law. And the law and the gospel are two wonderful but two very different things. They each have their, their purpose. They each have their utility. And what I want to show you in this is that that love is the height of the law, which means love is the height of the very thing that we cannot achieve in order to appease God. If the law is the reflection of God's character, then of course love is the ultimate ultimate, um, uh, embodiment of what the law is. And so Jesus, of course, is right. The Pharisees are trying to Uh, they're not trying to catch him in a technicality, they're trying to see if he knows, how well he knows the scriptures. And of course he gets the answer right. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest uh, commandments. But it's not a summary of the gospel. The gospel is good news. Somebody says, uh, you have to go earn a million dollars, that's uh, good advice. Somebody says, I'm giving you a million dollars. That's good news. Yeah. Right? Two different things. Good. So the, the law tells us what we are to do to reflect the glory of God. It is good. Its function before Christ is to tell us, is to, is like a mirror. It shows us where we're out of place. Like you look in the mirror and you see where your hair is out of place, like I do every morning. And I just look and see... Uh, where my hair is out of place, and, and you want to fix things because it's a mir- in the mirror is showing you where you're off and the, and the law tells us where we're off. And it, ultimately what it ought to do is show us that we can't achieve it and we need a Savior. That's what I think Jesus is trying to do with the parables of judgment. There's a reason why when we recite this after the right one's service, what immediately, what do we, we say this? You should love your neighbor as yourself. What, what do I say right after that? Oh, well, Okay, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What comes next? Oh, come on, you write one, people. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. We ask for mercy because this is the very thing that we cannot achieve. Jesus said, Be perfect because your Father in heaven is perfect. And so, as I want you to see, you can't, you know, people say you can't um, legislate love. And, and, and so, what makes us want to love God and love our neighbor is the fact that having fallen short, we have been loved by the very one that we fell short for. And that makes us, having received that grace, we didn't love our way to the Lord, but He loved His way to us. And having received that love, we want to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we want to love our neighbors as ourselves. So love is the height of the, the the very thing that we cannot achieve and is the very means by which we are saved because we are loved by God. And therefore we are freed to fulfill... Uh, to, to Follow this law because the law has already been fulfilled for us. Now, do you understand what I've said? Is that is this is this not like churchy gobbledygook, or, or is this does it, does it, I mean, really, because this is it's important. What's the difference between love, um, uh, go- law, and gospel? What's the difference? <laughs> what, is, what does the law do? tells us what we should do can we do it no. No. what is the height of the law no. so can we love like we ought to love no. so what does that show us that we need mercy, mercy, mercy. which is the gospel. gospel okay good now you now we're getting there right why didn't you just do that at the beginning dummy all right Love is the reason we need grace. Love is the substance of grace. So the law, so when somebody says all you got to do if you want to follow the Bible is just love people. Love God and love people. That's that's sort of right, isn't it? But only sort of right. Because yes, we need to, no we won't. Yes, we have been loved and therefore we will. Is that too complicated? You got it, right? Somebody said yes, somebody said no. All right. Then. Perfect. Law and gospel. Two very important things. They both have their functions. One shows us we need a Savior. The other one tells us we have one. Right? Okay. 10.01. I'm going to spend three minutes on this, and we're going to be done because i got to go... Get get those baptismal people ready. Whose son is the Christ? The Pharisees were gathered together. Jesus asked them a question. So he asked them, they asked him a question, he gets it right. So he asked them a question. What about you? What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they say, Well, he's the son of David. I mean, that's they're getting that right from the pages of scripture. He said, Well, how is it then? And they mean he's a descendant, right? How is it then that David, in the Spirit, calls him, the Messiah, the Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. If, if David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And he kind of put them in a conundrum. Because, hold on a second, we had never seen it quite like that. And no one was able to answer him a word, For not from that day did anyone dare to ask him more questions. He is setting them up to see that he is actually qualified to die for the sins of the world. Yes, he is in the line of David as a person, because he is fully man. But he is, in fact, the incarnate God, and therefore perfect, and therefore qualified to be our Savior, the very Savior we need because of the law. That's the gospel. So that he is setting them up to receive it. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I have to go and um, get these folks ready for, for baptism. Lots in here. Law and gospel. It is... Martin Luther said, if you can figure out law and gospel, then you figured out Christianity. But it's a lot harder than that because the law always works itself in. We always try to Earn our way in. We always, we give God 95% of the glory. We gotta just keep a little for ourselves. I mean, I did actually make the choice. God, I actually did, don't forget, I mean, I, listen, I, yes, Lord, I give you all the glory in the world and the credit for um for uh for me helping this this person and uh and and boy they were helped by that because I just you know I give you all the credit, Lord. I you know, I don't know if you have you ever done that. So we all just the law is always working itself back in. We want to earn it just a little bit. So the trick is to give God all the glory because of the gospel. Amen.